Cultivated Marketer, Episode 20, Marketing Certifications, Part 1, with Brad Whitworth. In this episode of Cultivated Marketer, we talk with Brad Whitworth from the IABC World Conference. Brad Whitworth is ABC, SCMP, and an IABC Fellow. And if you're curious about what all those things mean and how one can journey from the middle of Missouri to Northern California to start a winery, you'll want to check out this episode. Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen, and today I'm without my partner in crime, Matt Tidwell. He's going to be joining me when we get to part two. This is part one of a conversation that we have with Brad Whitworth. Again, this is another one of those conversations that that Matt and I had when we were live at the IBC World Conference in New York City. Most of this conversation in part one is really around Brad's career journey. So Brad's an extremely accomplished marketing and communications professional has traveled the world and a lot of part one, we discuss that career journey and that career journey starts in the middle of Missouri. He's a Missouri graduate undergrad ends up getting masters out in California later in life. But he starts his career in Springfield, Illinois. He and I share a couple experiences there. I spent some time in Springfield, Illinois, all the way through different interesting stops that he's had. And now he's he's an owner of a vineyard. He started his own winery in California, and we'll provide a link to that in the in the show notes. But you're going to hear about that career journey. And if you know, being a winery owner is is part of the gig you're looking for. We've got this conversation with Brad. Part two and Matt will join me as we can reflect on not only this discussion, but then as we get into part two, and that'll be our next episode, episode 21 will really be a discussion about certifications. And we we really haven't discussed at length the importance of certifications in marketing and communications careers and how they are growing and, and increased importance. And some of those can be strategic strategic certifications. And for instance, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that at length with Brad. Some of those can be technical certifications, but we really start to delve into in that second conversation. So part two with Brad, the importance of certifications, how they work resources that you can access to learn more about those types of certifications, the benefits of them. But this part one discussion really, Brad, such a wealth of knowledge. We had a great time talking to him. Part one is really a conversation about his career journey. Again, has spent time, everything from middle of Illinois, middle of Missouri to working in Japan to now out in California where he's doing teaching and consulting. And we don't want to keep you from that conversation with Brad and hearing about that tremendous career journey. So I'm going to step aside and let you participate in the conversation that Matt and I have with Brad Whitworth, ABC, SCMP, and IABC fellow from the IABC World Conference in New York City.
So this is Brent Bowen. And I'm Matt Tidwell. And we're at the IABC World Conference in New York. And we're really excited to have our next guest, Brad Whitworth. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me here. And what an amazing conference it's been. First time in person for a few years. So that sort of adds an extra amount of energy. Definitely, definitely glad to be here with our people, right? So it's tremendous. Brad, welcome. Great to have you. You know, as you said, great to be back at another IABC World Conference. And thanks for thanks for coming on. A pleasure. This is my 41st IABC International Conference. So I'd like to say that I started when I was still in school, but a little bit after that. So, you know, we were we were talking a little bit before reading, you know, getting to know you. I was getting to know you the opening night a little bit. And understand you have a very diverse career, some of which I would really love to unpack as part of this conversation on some recent ventures, right? But everything from a broadcasting career to you have a relationship with IABC that's long running. I I think we were joking you had been going to IABC Worldcon for, you know, 40 years, nearly 40 years in a row. And relationship with the fellows. Tell us a little bit about that career journey and, you know, maybe what you picked up along the way. And I'll try to keep it short because it can be extraordinarily boring. But (laughs) well if you wanted to focus on the recent wine stuff, we could we we can can, just go. We'll get there. That's sort of the last (laughs) chapter and it's an unfolding story. But no, it started really I I thought back to what was my first paying job in communications. It was in in high school. I had been shooting photos for the high school yearbook and realized that there were some people who were warm and dry on those crappy nights and they were sitting up in the broadcast booth. So I said, I need to find out about that. So I ended up doing freebies for a little while, sort of interny kind of thing, and then turning it into a paying role at a commercial AM station. And then when I was in the University of Missouri, I added the educational FM station that was sort of a required part of the curriculum to it. So sort of broadcast, but then I was a magazine major. So then it's, okay, I'm getting out of school. What do I get to do? Where, where do I go? And the one plus I would say is that having had some experience, something to show for getting out as you know, an undergrad, but I had you know, four plus years of working in radio. I had things to show. I mean, I had yearbooks from high school and college. And part of the curriculum at Missouri is you actually work on a competing city daily newspaper. So I had newspaper clips to show. I thought that that was one of those things that might have given me a slight edge in getting out in the working world. I had a few jobs in Springfield, Illinois, before sort of finding my mark. Worked for an association of funeral directors, which was interesting, doing their communications. And it was a fascinating time because Jessica Mitford had written a book about the high cost of dying, and the Federal Trade Commission was looking into the profession. And it was a fascinating time to be able to help these small business owners, essentially, across the North America with some communications challenges that they'd never faced. And it's not an industry that is really outspoken and out there. I went to work, probably the, the, the stepping stone job was working for an insurance company. It was called Horace Mann, based out of Springfield, and it sold to educators. But to be able to do the primarily internal communications, a little bit of external for that, and that's where I got hooked up with IABC, Someone who was working at the local utility said, hey, you, new communications person over at Horseman, you should come with me to this IABC meeting. And I was like, what's IABC? Got introduced and very quickly became like the vice president of the chapter and the next year the president of the chapter. So I can say, you know, heart of Illinois, IABC got me a start. And we represented, it was sort of like a regional thing. It was Peoria, Springfield, Bloomington, all the way out to Champaign-Urbana. So uh, 
through through that sort of first connection, and then it's like the you know they have a conference every year, and <laughs> you ought to talk your bosses into letting you go. And that was my first conference was in Toronto in 1978, so a few years out of school, but still wide eyed, and it was it was just great, and sort of been a regular ever since. I've missed a few when my kids ended up having high school and college graduations, trying to figure out what they're doing in their careers. But it's, it's been a constant in my life. And it was also how I find my next jobs. So two questions, because you have that Springfield, Illinois background. Yeah. You and I shared time at the exact same time there in Springfield, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I lived on Stanhope, Stanhope Drive in Springfield, Illinois. How many, how many fingers and toes could you count? How many times you've had a horseshoe? Oh, it's I, a staple cuisine of I usually went uh, the known cuisine. I went for the pony shoe just no, the because pony it was a little shoe. smaller. A little, the hat. I, yeah. I dragged my dragged my son and his friends on a spring break trip through yeah. Chicago, and we went through Springfield, made them stop, and we I had a pony shoe. Yeah, so for those who are just listening and can't <laughs> Please, see this, it's sort of an open-faced sandwich that's a carbo load, but it starts with a piece of toast or two pieces of toast if it's a horseshoe, right? Mm-hmm. It's a horseshoe. The meat of your choice, could it be a, something like it shrimp? It could be roast beef. It could be anything. Beef, it could be anything. anything. And then you dump a pile of fries on top of that. And, and then this smother it with cheese. cheese sauce. And now the Wall Street Journal did an article on the horseshoe a couple of years ago. And now in some places, they're deep fat frying it up to 6,000 calories for <laughs> ah, yeah, a horseshoe. So this is cardiac arrest on a plate. Is anyone alive? <laughs> Yeah. And I also liked the local was chili, and it was spelled C H I L L I. So it's sort of like that nod to the Illinois. So, but yeah. Wow. And so, but it was through IABC at that point, I sort of knew at some point that, you know, I wanted to move to a bigger market where there were more opportunities because, you know, there were a limited number of jobs in Springfield that you really coveted. And many of them were focused on state government. And that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And so it was through IBC's job placement activity that I found out about a, an opportunity on the West Coast. And that was uh, ideal. I ended up being interviewed for and accepted for a position at uh, Hewlett Packard to come in as the sort of assistant editor on their magazine with the idea because the person who was hiring me, he was going to be retiring. And so as long as I didn't screw it up too bad, they were going to move me up and move me up. And so there's this path ahead of me. And I ended up staying at HP 24 years doing all sorts of fun, different jobs, you know, every four or five years, everything from managing the entire internal communications function for this 100,000 employee organization to also getting a chance to become much more global. We had a thing called intercontinental region, which was everything except Europe and U.S. So I had the beat of all of Asia Pacific, all of Latin America and Canada and some of Africa as well, and had a chance to travel for about a decade to lots and lots of places and, and learn about communications and cultures and the intersection and how, while it's very, very easy to see how different the whole world is, it's also fun to be able to find there are a lot of commonalities that do bind us and to find those threads. And the other part that was so helpful was that there was IABC everywhere I go. I mean, this is an international association of business communicators. And maybe you start out like I did in a local market and, you know, you can learn as much from the person who's working at the utility or the bank or the insurance company or the hospital. But at some point, you may want to make these connections that go beyond where you are geographically. They're somewhere across North America or they're in Europe or 
you read about a best practice and it's coming from Australia and you go, I know, I'm going to call Zora in Australia because she's got the connections. And so the network that I built through IBC and the sort of the opportunity to speak and travel, I, I think it was a career changer for me. And this is where Matt should be doing the shameless plug for the special interest groups. Yes. Where you just, congratulations, yes. my friend, was awarded, received an award from IBC oh, last night. Yeah, that was, that. That, was, that was very nice. Yeah, I think now the pressure's on to deliver on these new things. That's what I told our, our chairman, Daniel Bond. But yeah, but, you know, Brad just said, uh, IBC does a wonderful job connecting people regionally. Where we want to go with shared interest groups, just a quick 30-second plug, is to allow people to now have a community of practice. So we're healthcare communicators, we're engineering communicators, maybe we work in the legal industry. Those are different challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And so, to the, and of course now, especially these days in professional, it's about adding value to members and giving members a new way to connect. And so shared interest groups and, and other organizations have done those for a long time. So now the hope is we'll be able to, to not only launch those as we've done, but really grow them aggressively over time. But what's cool, it, it resonates with what Brad, what Absolutely. you're talking about it. In some ways it narrows the focus, but it also broadens the, the reach, reach. Exactly. Right? Sure. I mean, because sure. it was before when we you know, first launched student organizations within IABC, it was really dedicated to a campus. And you sort of met on campus and you had to have a faculty advisor. Well, now the world has changed and our delivery mechanisms don't necessarily involve walking to the building across campus. It's sometimes getting online. Much more dispersed. It dispersed. And you can make some amazing relationships and friendships and professional connections that can pay off multiple dividends downstream. So I always, when I have a chance to talk at career days and student groups, it's, you know, be bold and get out there and meet people and, you know, be the first to introduce yourself because that's what's going to pay off long term is that you build the network before you need it. And when you need it yeah. is when you start looking for jobs or making that career change or I'm moving across uh, country. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you're doing more these days. I know you're here at the conference because I know you're a consultant and you're working with, it's, it's Halo, right? Halo, exactly. One of the sponsors here at World Conference. So that's a, a fun organization to get with because it's for internal communications people. It's really a software platform. And so having had an experience at Hewlett Packard, at Cisco, at Hitachi, I sort of have worked in the tech industry for a long time mm -hmm. as a communications person. Most recently, though, I've been doing consulting work. So Halo is certainly one of those people I love working with. I also am taking some of the experience that I had when I was at Cisco where I was working on Internet of Things and smart cities, and now I'm working for a smart city company that's fascinating to be able to see what it is that you can do in terms of bringing Wi-Fi and power grids that are smart, smarter than we are, that saves energy and, and makes life smarter, easier, more connected for people. So that has been a fun career change for me. At the same time, I also say that I go back to school. I think I've become a perpetual student. So in addition to my, I ended up with two bachelor's degrees when I got out of Missouri. But at a certain point, I realized that my undergrad work, which had all been sort of liberal arts side of the campus, I didn't know as much about the business of business as I needed to. So when I was at HP, I was able to take care of their educational reimbursement program and get into Santa Clara University, where I worked on an MBA a class a quarter for what seemed like forever, but I was in no rush to get it done. And lately, I've been taking classes at the local junior college in Northern California, where I live, in wine. 
wine studies, enology, viticulture, because on the property my wife and I have in Northern California, we have a very small vineyard, about 1,400 vines, and we're growing Pinot Noir, but to have made sort of this, not career transition, but sort of a career addition into a field that keeps the brain cells active and keeps me learning and keeps me want to go. And then along the way, I've done things like accreditation and certification, which we probably should talk about we too will. as uh, yeah. stepping stones. We, we definitely will. We definitely will. Yeah, we were, you were telling us a little bit about your wine venture, and it's, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Well, with, with the local connection too, part of your consulting, you're integrating or converging some of that consulting activity and some of the wine knowledge, working with some folks locally to Kansas City, right? Yeah, and to me it's fascinating because in in one sense the wine industry is farming, but then you're producing a, a fascinating end product that's been around for you know thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of years. But seeing how technology is applied to be able to do things, and then also it's one where the winery that I work at, like a day a week sometimes, just to get my hand in. Besides our own thing, I I'm working with the person who founded it, seventy six year old guy. But they found out that besides being able to sell and pour wine, Brad also knows a little bit about communication. So I've turned into their AV specialist. So if they need a video shot, I'm behind the camera. I've also put together PowerPoint presentations for this winemaker. And I sort of go back and think, one is he probably had never been called on to do a lot of PowerPoint presentations. And second, never had on a staff anybody who did communications as we know it sort of in that corporate setting. So he's like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, hits the clicker and slides are doing animated things. And he's, he's a good friend now. Yeah, that's cool. So it is interesting that a product that's been around for, th- you know, at least a thousand years requires to be showcased. And I think that's probably a good segue into the conversation of certification and the idea of maybe what the intent is of certification and what it's designed to do in showcase. Well, it's been fascinating. I think I've stood up for every opportunity that comes along. So IABC, for the longest time, had an accreditation program, which was a four and a half hour ordeal, written test and an oral examination. And the plus was you, you had to have submitted a portfolio to sort of qualify to sit for the thing. So it was only for people who had reached a certain point in their career. And then once you've taken the test and if you passed, it was almost one and done. And there's, I found a little bit of a problem with that because I think education should be ongoing. I mean, just because you get out of school and you got a degree doesn't mean that you should stop learning. In fact, maybe just the opposite. So at a certain point, IABC moved to a certification. And our certification program now, there's sort of two levels of it that a little bit more experience that qualifies you for one or the other level. But after you've taken the test and passed it successfully, it's also... 100 questions, multiple choice. And it's not the kind of thing that you can really study for. It's more based upon case studies and real-world experience. And when you're facing this, would you do A, B, C, or D? And that you're not going to be able to Google and find an answer anywhere. Once you pass, though, the next year when you need to recertify, you have to prove that you have done some learning along the way. And learning could be going to a world conference. It could be speaking somewhere. It could be judging an awards competition. It could be reading a book. It could be listening to a webcast or a blog. So, you know, there are all sorts of ways to show that you're doing things. And to me, that is really, really important. The sort of that commitment to lifelong learning and, and 
I think the, what I find is the motivation for people wanting to get certified can be quite varied. And part of it is proving to others that you have mastered something. And that could be to a boss or sort of the leadership team in an organization. Sometimes people want to do it for self-confidence, you know, to be able to understand that, you know, I have arrived. Sometimes it's to be able to have the credential to be able to say, you know, I am in with the industry's best. And one of the nice things about the GCCC certification, it's the Global Communications Certification Council, which is a project and a part of IABC's organization and structure, is that it is actually ISO certified. So we've taken it out yes. and gotten approval. And this thing is sort of like a globally accepted standard around the world. So just as there's the I in IABC, there is this ISO cloud above and sort of shining down on all of the certifications. So I was in the first class to take what was called CMP, Communication Management Professional level. And then I was the first to sign up to take the next higher levels. And my reason for taking it might be very different than somebody else in their career. And mine was as much to find out for myself what it is that I knew, but more importantly, what I didn't know. You know, as you go through a hundred item questionnaire, there's some that you go, oh, that's easy, that's easy, that's easy. But the ones that you sort of, whoa, is it this or could it be that? And to be able to learn what it is that you don't know is a very, very valuable lesson as well. So it's not only showing what it is that you've mastered, but also finding where you need to still grow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, and Brent, I know you get these calls too from students. While it's a good market right now in, in marketing, it's a very competitive market, right? And so what the CMP or the SCMP gives you is, is again, a means to stand out amongst the crowd because, you know, jobs are tough to come by, particularly those good jobs. And I've been a hiring manager. I know all of us around the table have been. And to have someone who's credentialed and has, frankly, has made that commitment, right? We talk about that all. He's made that personal commitment. That's really what impresses me is that this is a person that, that thinks enough about where they want to go in their career, that they want to become credentialed, they want to set themselves apart. And frankly, those were the resumes that tended to float into the top of my stack. Thanks for joining us for part one of our conversation with Brad Whitworth to hear the rest of our chat with Brad about certifications and the important role that they can play in your career. Make sure to tune in to our next episode. Matt will be back as well, where we can talk future guests. We've got some great guests lined up and you'll be able to hear the rest of our conversation with Brad. Hope you enjoyed part one of our conversation with Brad Whitworth. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketer. Cultivated Marketer.